Welcome to Joe Howarth's Happiness Hacks podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Joe's work, head over to thehappinessclub.co.uk and consider becoming a member. Sometimes on this journey, it's good to be part of a bigger, friendly group and you get daily strategies and access to trained coaches and mental health professionals. I run the Happiness Club and welcome to another of my World of Happiness interviews with some of the most amazing people on the planet in this day and age. I have exactly one of those people with me today, the author of In Praise of Slow, the incredibly amazing Carl Honoré. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It's good to be here. Cool. Can I ask by, start even, by asking you what, you, what is it you do? I am a writer, okay. a speaker, and broadcaster, and my central theme is, is slow. The idea that we live better when we live at the right pace rather than rushing through every moment of the day. Okay. And I've obviously read your books, um, and I personally, I study mindfulness. And there's a lot, I think, of overlap between your slow mm. and the concept of mindfulness. Very much. Um, you find that as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, slow is not... I mean, people often hear the word slow in our fast-forward culture, and there's such a taboo against it that they think it means lazy, stupid, torpid, unproductive, unhappy. But it's none of those things. It's really about living fully. And I'm certainly not an extremist or a fundamentalist of slowness. I love speed. I mean, faster is often better, but, but not always, right? And that's the key to this slow philosophy, slow with a capital S. It's about doing things at the right speed, the right tempo, the right pace. It's about doing you know, quality before quantity. It's about doing things mindfully. That's another way of saying doing them slowly, you know, doing one thing at a time, giving yourself over completely to the moment or, or another person, being present. The language changes, but the, the principle remains the same, that it's about being fully there and moving through every moment at the right tempo for you in that moment. And once you do that, that unlocks the door to everything we want, from health and happiness to productivity, creativity, all that stuff that business gurus bash on about. Bless them. <laughs> okay, so, so why? Obviously, you described yourself at the start as a writer, broadcaster, speaker, around a central theme. But why, why so, why do you do, why that, why that theme? Why do you do what you do? Well, for me, it's very personal. I'm a naturally fast person and I just got stuck in fast forward. I was racing through my life instead of living it. And I think like a lot of people, I, needed a wake-up call. And my wake-up call came when I started reading bedtime stories to my son. And back in those days, I just was incapable of slowing down. So I'd go into his room and speed read Snow White, you know, skipping lines, paragraphs. I, I became an expert, in fact, in what I call the multiple page turn technique, which I don't know if you're any parents out there <laughs> try to turn three, four pages at the same time. And it never works because our kids know the stories back to front. And my son would always catch me out. He said, Daddy, why are there only three dwarves in the story? <laughs> what happened to Grumpy? 
And this was a really lamentable state of affairs, but I just couldn't break out of it because I was just stuck in roadrunner mode. And then my wake up call came when I caught myself flirting with buying a book I'd heard about called The One Minute Bedtime Story. I read about it in a newspaper, Snow White and all those other great tales boiled down to 60 seconds. And I remember catching myself and thinking, ah, I need that book now, bro. <laughs> Amazon drone delivery. But, but then, you know, the second wake up call reaction came in and I thought, whoa, has it really come to this? Am I really in such a hurry? I'm prepared to fob off my little boy with a soundbite instead of a story at the end of the day. And that was, it was a, one of those moments of really searing epiphany when you see yourself in sharp relief from the side. And I just, what I saw there was, it was just ugly and it was unedifying. And I realized that I wasn't really living the life that I wanted to live. And I was not being the parent I wanted to be because I was so rushed all the time. So for me, slowing down was very much a personal journey or experiment. But as a journalist at the time, I wanted to understand not only my own deceleration or attempts to put on the brakes, but I wanted to see the bigger picture. So I traveled around the world and just exploring what, where we are with speed and pace and technology and trying to understand whether it was possible or even desirable to slow down in the 21st century. And that's kind of how it started. It was really a personal spark that pushed me into becoming this public figure that I never, ever expected to be. I've always been a very private person, worked as a journalist, but happy to let my words go out there and not have anything else about me attached to them. But then, of course, as soon as I wrote the first book, In Praise of Slow, it just took off, and then the whole slow movement just exploded. And now, you know, <laughs> I, I was kind of in the center of this thing, and it's just whirling all over the place. And it's very thrilling. I, I, I'm not complaining. It's, um, it's not what I expected, but be in this public position, but it's very uplifting because I believe it, I've lived it, I've slowed down and it's completely and utterly transformed my life for the better. And I'm in a position, a very lucky position where I'm able to, through writing or through making TV and radio programs or giving talks or workshops, I'm able to help other people go down that same path, which makes me happier each time I do it, right? So it's a kind of virtuous circle kicks in, right? Brilliant. And I've said to a few of the other people that I've interviewed, you know, because I think quite a lot of people get similar epiphany moments, revelationary moments where they realize, oh, hang on, this isn't who I wanted to be or this isn't how I wanted to be. But not many people take that a step further. And like, you say it's kind of happened by accident but there aren't that many people who've had that epiphany that then go out to discover it in the way that you have mm. to sort of make it a wider message do you know what I mean yeah I mean not everybody can parlay a personal epiphany into a global cultural movement I mean it's just that, yeah. it's not realistic yeah. uh, but what is realistic is that we can all use an epiphany or a wake-up call as a turning point or a lever to start doing things differently. And I do feel that more and more people are doing that. If you just glance around the world, especially the younger generation are coming up with a very different way of thinking about how, how to work, uh, social responsibility. You know, things are changing. The tectonic plates are moving below the surface and it's making it easier and more permissible to slow down. And, and again, I'm coming back to my definition of slow, which is not every day spent swinging in a hammock, which can be wonderful on vacation, but it's probably not very suitable or even that desirable for most people all the time. We want to write the right balance between 
striving and stretching and also relaxing and chilling and, and just moving through, coming back to that word you used at the beginning, mindfully being present and living each moment fully. And I, I just feel like the culture is moving more and more in that direction, whether it's in the workplace, in schools, in social clubs, in people's just private lives, that, that is becoming more and more an option and less and less a dirty secret, right? which is what I think slowing down has so often been for people. It's been something they were either afraid to do because it smacked of laziness and everything nobody wanted to be associated with, or they did it quietly because the culture was so anti-slow that you had to do it as though, you know, you were kind of nobody else was looking, right? Because you yeah. but I think that's less and less the case now. Yeah, and I agree. There's been a massive shift, I think. And we've got a way to go. I think we've got a way to go. But, oh, there's, oh, but there's, there's been a massive shift over the last five or six years, even, I think, of, in, the, in my opinion, the right direction. Um, so what gives you the biggest buzz in life? and in your work so they might be the same thing they might be two different things but what do you get a buzz from well I'm, I love language and I love words and I love the way they look side by side on the page I love the way they sound when they're spoken aloud and I love the way language if deployed judiciously wisely beautifully can change the way we see the world and can inspire and spark people to alter their behavior, do things differently. I just love language. So, so for me, I get a huge buzz out of something as simple as just crafting a really good sentence or finding a particularly pointed and spot on target way of saying something or a fresh way of, because I just feel that language can rotate the world ever so slightly so we see it differently and can push us into corners of ourselves that we hadn't explored before. Uh, words can help us get there, the right words and the right formula and the right delivered in the right way. So language, I suppose that for me, whether that's the workplace or in my private life, I just love, I get a huge buzz out of other people using language beautifully or if I come to a turn of phrase that I just think, oh, I'm really pleased with that, that gives me a huge buzz. As an, as an addendum, the other thing that gives me a huge buzz is, is something that I think is a very human experience which is just simply being able to help other people and I, I was a journalist before doing what I do now and I went into journalism really to save the world I wanted to write about injustice and poverty and so on in the, in the developing world so that that would all change and although I no longer work as that type of journalist now the same north star the same engine is driving me it's that feeling of wanting to make the world a better place than I found it so anytime I feel like I'm doing that, however small the step is. It might be a baby step. It might be just changing someone's view of themselves or knowing that that family is going to do something but differently or this company is going to approach their staff in a new way. Every time I have a hand in making the world move in a better, and I'm going to say slower direction, uh, then that gives me a huge buzz as well. So those would be my two buzz, buzz factors. I love that, but that goes back to what I said about not everybody that's had the epiphany would take it the step further. Um, but obviously your driver is to save the world. I love that you said yes. that. Yes. I, 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 I said that I feel a little bit, I mean, it sounds a bit cheesy and maybe a bit overblown, but 
but it is it is that it is simply that i just feel like you know i i'm not going to save the world but it's i yeah but you, i want to try i suppose I want to, you know i want to make an effort to save it and and i certainly want to feel that my having passed through the world has made it a, a little bit better than it was had i not passed through it in the first place that's really what i am yes. as, aspiring to well, and if i feel that's happening then that's what that gives me a real kick and that's what makes me happy i think that that's where i have my happiness a lot of happiness comes from of course there's all the happiness that comes from strong relationships and the people that matter to me and that's but that that maybe is a separate part of the discussion but you're that. undoubtedly doing that you are you know the work that you've done so far has 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 contributed to the world massively i i feel i i mean I'm not, you've used the word massively. Certainly I would agree that it's contributed to the world. I mean, I feel that it has made, 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 made a real difference to many people. And even now, well, why would I even say even now? I mean, just now, I, I, every time I open up my computer and look at email, there'll be an email from somebody somewhere in the world saying, you know, thank you, this is reading this or watching you, or it's just made me rethink this. And now we're doing this in my family or my community or my company. And it's just, it is an extraordinary feeling yeah. to think that you've had that effect on that many people. It's quite a remarkable, I mean, I'll just say it, it's, a, it's an achievement, right? It's, it's a remarkable achievement. And I, I, I just, yeah, I sometimes I'm just amazed by it and, and slightly, yeah, slightly sort of blown away. <laughs> but, it's, but it is, but, you know, I think a lot of it's timing. Uh, you know, I came along with the right message at the right time. And I, I don't know who knows why, why I ended up where I am, but I'm happy to be where I am. Good. Well, you, good. I'm glad you are. I, I love what you said about language as well, because I completely agree with you. I, I am not at your standard of writing, but I am a, I, I write something for the members of my happiness club. I write them something every day. Um, with that same aim of getting them just to think about things in mm. a slightly different way. And a lot of the messages that I give in the club, this, it's the same messages, but it's finding a different way to write mm. the same kind of thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? A different story, a different way of putting it, because as you very rightly said, somebody might read this bit and not get it, but read this bit with the same message just written in a different way mm -hmm. and totally grab hold of it and run yeah. with it. So to have that, um, to have that ability as you do to get the message across, it's awesome. It's just, <laughs> anyway. Well, I tell you, I don't, I'm not a big one for hero worship and I know that it's important to have role models and so on, but the closest person I have to a hero is, is Martin Luther King. And it's because he combined those two things, that, that boundless love of language. You can just feel it in the way he wrote, the way he spoke, the way words rolled around in his mouth before they came out, and the way they landed on people. I just, plus, combined with this luminous message of love and humanity, I, I, you know, I've just, he's just an amazing figure to me. And that, I think that sums up a lot of... Not that I say I want to be the next Martin Luther King, right? But you know, that's sort of what how I would like to try and be more like, right? You know, and of course, he's like every human being; he had his flaws and so on. But those two 
those twin lights that shone on his path, language and love. I, you know, for me, those, those are, that's where, where I want to be following yeah. that love. But that's the cycle, isn't it? Because he, with his language and love, he has inspired you. And now with your language and love, now you inspire others. It's, I think that's kind of gorgeous, actually. Yeah, that's a nice way to think about it. I mean, he's got that famous quote, which I'm so bad at remembering quotes, but isn't it that you, that you, cannot, chase, you cannot chase out um, darkness with dark evil? You can only chase out darkness or something. You can only chase out the darkness with the light, right? And it's that kind of idea that you, it's language and love, the right language and love that bring light to, in so many ways, intellectual light, human light, all the, yeah. And that's for him, there's a kind of lightness that I aspire to as well. I, I feel it's very important to not to get too po-faced and over-serious. And I, I, I like laughing at myself and laughing about slowing down and, and seeing the funny side of it as well. I think that's very important not to get too, wrapped up in your own virtue <laughs> and become too saintly it, uh, you you know I, i'm flawed and make mistakes and sometimes i go too fast you know i got a speeding ticket while i was researching in praise of slow right so it's, you know, I'm, I'm not i'm not a paragon and i'm not putting myself forward as the, the ultimate avatar of slow uh, no but i think that's I'm, not, I'm doing my best right that's the key. that's it i think that's important though as well isn't it is is I think that happens to a lot of people is that, you know, you have a message that you want to get across and everybody automatically assumes that you are 100% perfectly, brilliantly that message yourself all the time. Yeah. And then they put that pressure on you to be Ooh, that all That the sounds time. exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's comes back to that old adage, you teach what you need to learn, right? And I think that's yeah. so true that yeah. you end up in some ways, I think, because I've always been a, as I said earlier, very naturally fast person, more a hare than a tortoise. I've found myself teaching the world how to connect with this inner tortoise because that's what I need. I've always needed to, to do. So it's, it, it, these things dovetail well, I think. It probably makes sense to, to be the teacher and the student at the same time. It probably makes you a better teacher, if that's the right word, teaching. Um, or, you know, you can share because you know, you understand. And I think as well, important to acknowledge that you don't manage it all the time. Yeah. You know, that it's actually, you're a human being too. Mm -hmm. and, you know, yeah, absolutely. You, you, and that's, but then again, that's how you learn as well, isn't it? By making you go, ah, oh, no, I did that thing again. Okay, cool. Right. Okay. No. So now I have to remember this. It's, yeah. it's part and parcel, isn't it? Okay. So this is possibly the impossible question, but if you could give us one top tip for a happy life, what would it be? One, one tip for happiness? Yeah. Well, it's going to sound like a cop-out coming from me, but I think my tip is just simply slow down, you know, <laughs> because that's where the joy is. That's where the magic and the music happen when you slow down to the right tempo, the correct rhythm, when you stop rushing when you're actually present and fully in the moment. Uh, you know, it's like Mae West famously said, anything worth doing is worth doing slowly. And I think that's as true now as it was when she uttered it all those decades ago. But, uh, that slow is so often the avenue to pleasure and to joy and to happiness.
brilliant. Love it. So if um, people want to find out more about you, what you do, your books, all of that, where do they find you? A very easy, my website, which is carlhonore.com. And I've got this video, you can read about all these things. I've, I've got a, a new online course you can sign up for. Um, there's all, all types of stuff. And, and in fact, my site's a really good hub for the slow movement in general because the links page can take you off into every single branch <laughs> of slow, whether it's slow travel, slow sex, slow education. I mean, it's all out there and it's all happening. But my links page is a good place to jump off from in the direction you find most appealing. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. And thank you very much for joining me today. Thanks. I've enjoyed it. For giving me your time to get your message even further across. Um, and I will see you all again in my next interview in the world of happiness. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. Now go, do. Don't be part of the shelf help movement. Go ahead and test this stuff in your own experience. And don't forget to head over and subscribe to this podcast as well so you never miss a bit. Leave a review and click on the fifth star.